Welcome to today's episode of the podcast where we discuss the most recent installment of a different series every show. On Monday, the satire news program The Daily Show kicked off its 29th season on Comedy Central. The late night talk show made waves when it was announced that Jon Stewart would be returning to host each Monday up and through the election in November. So we're going to begin by talking about the reviews. Jon Stewart's highly anticipated return to The Daily Show made it feel like he never left. He is back and he came out swinging with big jokes for a big audience. So excited he's back. I, I never stay up that late and I did to watch him come back. Mm-hmm. He's still got it. Putting politics aside for a moment, that just looks right. Jon Stewart on The Daily Show. I agree. Now getting back to politics, he's right. <laughs> Isn't it great to see the Fox News host being really into Jon Stewart's comeback? All right, that's not even where they end. I only got the ones from the television. Jon Stewart saves The Daily Show. That's a Washington Post article. Jon Stewart's Daily Show return is so smooth, it's like he never left. That was the NPR article. They went on to call him the goat of late night satire in that They're not article. the only ones. Jon Stewart's return brings Daily Show audience to the highest level in six years. That comes from Forbes. And then I saw a bunch of other articles that were talking about the numbers. Uh, honest, critical saying Jon Stewart's welcome return to The Daily Show. The Guardian jumped in, even though they're British paper or magazine or whatever, but they decided they wanted to go across the pond and talk about American politics for a second. So I think it's officially uh, the truth that Jon Stewart is people's favorite Doctor Who. <laughs> I, I know that the New York Times called their return to form. Also, when we did our problem with uh, Jon Stewart podcast back about two years ago, I said that Jon Stewart was the one talk show host that I wanted to see come back. He's you know what I favorite. said? You know what I said at that time? I said he should stop making fun of his own looks because he he does it all the time. And so what does this episode do? His first episode back, he spends like 10 minutes talking about how old he is. Well, the problem with Jon Stewart, and I'll say actually the problem with it, was that it wasn't a comedy show, or at least I didn't feel that way. It was a lot more serious. I think that it was trying to be a new show. But I agree with all the critics that say that, yes, this felt like a return to form. Even the, the Washington Post, how their view Jon Stewart saves the Daily Show and vice versa. So you didn't take his message at the end of this episode on The Daily Show where he says the work never ends. There's no promise whatsoever that you're going to be able to accomplish something. And even if you do, there's no uh, promise that it will stay accomplished. Uh, you, You took that as a positive message? Well, look, I'm just happy that he's back because it feels like he was more in his element here. When we did the problem with John Stewart, I gave it a mixed review saying that I wanted The Daily Show 2.0, but I never thought that he was actually going to come back to The Daily uh, of Show. Of course, no one did. In fact, the set of factors that had to happen in order for it to come back just sound like lunacy. Like, for instance, there hasn't been this sort of concern or um, focus on uh, the switchover of a host of a TV show since Ken Jennings took over Jeopardy, (laughs) right? uh, Yes, yeah. Because you had that circulating door of revolving people. Um, Trevor Noah leaving before he turned 40, that was the first thing that had to happen. Then the indecision leading to a bunch of contestants coming in, a bunch of comedians, and every week you would get a different person. And that must have been hell on the writing staff. It was like they were literally SNL, where they had to acclimate to that person and then change their views accordingly. Also, according to Roy Wood Jr. Yes, I was going to get there. Okay, yes. So that's just the. So that was the second one. The third one. Go ahead, Hassan Minaj. Yes, right. Hassan Minaj was supposed to take over and be the replacement, but because of the accusations of I think the what, embellished details on on there were a couple shows. jokes that he he said that didn't actually happen. I think one in concerning Anthrax and his daughter. And it, obviously, you want to point that out, but I think they, they adjusted too far. And maybe if it had taken a few more weeks, then he would have stayed as host, but because he didn't, 
then also the writer's strike happening, which delayed the decision further, then Jon Stewart's other show getting canceled by Apple, because he <laughs> wouldn't be doing both of these at the same time. The fact that it's an election year, I think, drew him even further towards it. The fact yeah. that Trump and Biden are still involved. Um, I know that he left in 2016, so Biden wasn't part of that quite uh, yet. He would have been four years later. But just the idea of having missed that election cycle, I think, always ate at him a bit. Because uh, the first thing that he was announced to be coming back in was like an HBO cartoon uh, in 2017, right. 2018. It was supposed right? to have an insane turnaround. Like I a think four he just missed thing. it. Even though he said in 2015 that he was leaving because he was tired, he was exhausted of the 24 hours or 24 7 news cycle. Uh, I think he part said he of was him, literally cutting jokes because he didn't want to change clothes. He wasn't happy. And so he came back and uh, somehow enough of the original writers, the staff, the crew were there, and Comedy Central was agreeing to his terms of, I just want to come in there and do once a week. I can't imagine him saying he wanted to do every single episode and so he can do more of a john oliver type thing yes. where he gets more time to think about his thoughts and they extend the episode instead of making it 20 or 30 minutes it's more like an hour now because he had segments of just that 20 minute monologue plus the uh one with his correspondence and the correspondence uh, sketch and then his interview with his interview. danny minton Bados. but i although i liked the correspondence uh sketch and i did like hearing him interview that person i think most people when they're talking about the show are talking about his 20 minute not only that i feel Feel like most of the critics only watched the monologue because a lot of the criticism behind it maybe they didn't even finish the monologue but there was they were reporting on a backlash by some fans which i really didn't see online as much as people were trying to promote it um but about his both sides isms yes. because in his correspondence sketch he did kind of address that jordan klepper took him to task saying hey have you have you uh, saved democracy yet <laughs> Uh, a lot of people were saying that he kind of uh, fractured his own audience or like his because he has ages, liberal leaning. The ageism with Biden and Trump. I heard the view people. There were a few on there that really disliked the idea <laughs> um, uh, of him insulting Biden for his age. But I think that that was sort of what he was getting at when it feels like the whole media sphere is sort of trying to gaslight you if you are a Democrat into saying, hey, you shouldn't be insulting someone. Like he's not above criticism and it's not something that in a normal election you shouldn't be concentrating on. And so I think he's just pointing out that Trump is prone to just as many gaffes and the Republicans aren't seeing that. And so maybe if he's able to appeal to the Republicans and the Democrats by making something funny, and I think he did because of the Fox interview there where they were talking about how he was right, yes. right, with his point. So if you're able to pull in some of the Republicans and then show them some things about Trump that maybe they don't normally see, then I think he's successful in what he's trying to achieve. Well, I remember I got really nostalgic, I think, back in like my sophomore year of college. So I started re-watching a lot of Colbert Report sketches, and I even watched a lot of Daily Show sketches, even though I always like kind of seeping Colbert's the Colbert Report more. They're, and they're more like lectures, though. Colbert, um, uh, Oliver, even Seth Meyers, it feels like you're being told something... What, Whereas Jon Stewart, it feels like you're getting commentary from him at the same time. Like he's laughing with you. Right. So can we get into our game? Because my game you kind of game? deals with that. Let's yes. play a game. So do you know the name of the person? Because Jon Stewart took over. From Craig right. Kilborn. Craig Kilborn. Yes. And I, it, this is mostly about the differences between those shows. It's back three in the 90s. Three truths, one lie. I want to see if you can guess what the lie is. So yeah. the first uh, thing is Craig Kilborn's hosting style on The Daily Show was characterized by his dry wit and focus on pop culture. 
Yeah, I mean, it was less of a it was less of a political show for sure. But yeah, I think it was even more of a sports show at that time. I never watched it, but this is just stuff I've heard in the past. The second one was Craig Kilborn won no Emmys, while John Stewart won Outstanding Variety Series multiple times oh, years in a row. And not only writing. did he win a ton of Emmys, he did what John Oliver is doing nowadays, where his show is just monopolizing over every other like every show when it's up for an Emmy. Just when it's a late night talk show, they're just like fuck John Oliver's gonna get. It. <laughs> but John Oliver. They had an interview with him where I think that was the interview where he learned about Jon Stewart coming back. And you saw like the dread in his face. I, I'm I'm obviously just right. <laughs> yeah. So I think he was sad that Comedy Central hadn't focused or chosen a host yet. But at the same time, he was like, well, it's like Michael Jordan coming back. Right. Yeah. And so I think he probably realizes maybe he's not going to get the Emmy this year. <laughs> I mean, there's going to be like the 40 episodes it. that Jon Stewart is going to be able to do by by November. And that might be enough to kick him over the top. Well, the third one is Craig Kilborn's version of The Daily Show featured a larger ensemble cast compared to Jon Stewart's. Uh, so, say a larger ensemble cast? I know yeah. Stephen Colbert was there at the time, but I don't think so. I, I didn't think that there was more people. And the last one is Jon Stewart took over The Daily Show in 1999. That sounds right, because he retired in 2015 and he had done it for 16 years, so that, that would crack. So you're, you're guessing that the third one, the larger ensemble cast, is the uh, fake one? Um, oh, yeah, I guess so. Yes, you are correct. Okay. You were also right in saying that Stephen Colbert was there at the time. He did not have great things to say about Craig Kilborn. But uh, yeah, John Stewart took over for Craig Kilborn in 1999 and made the show a lot more political. But I think that he was able he had to a vision draw for it. because when I was saying that I was getting nostalgic uh, back in, I was watching in like sophomore year of college for me, those those sketches that they were able to do or those those talking, uh, like those segments, mm -hmm. I went down to the comments and people were like, even though I'm conservative, the best thing back in like 2007, 2008 was the Colbert Report, John Stewart lineup. That's nostalgism for you like it doesn't necessarily track with if you went back there i'm sure you get people that hated it what i don't understand is why people are concentrating so much on the fact that this got a boost in ratings for the last six years but if you look at john stewart's last episode compared to this episode i think it was a drop of like 1.5 well, okay. million people or more if you take in the dvr account and so i think people should really see this as a failure <laughs> no, but I'm glad you brought that up because NPR, even though it gave like a glowing review for the sure. show, said that he's going to have to tackle the fact that the show shrunk like 75% after he left. What do you mean by that? Oh, you mean the audience yes, is shrunk? Yes, And like, even though Trevor Noah was still able to retain, I think somewhere around like 570,000 viewers a night. Hey, a, pand a pandemic didn't help. John Stewart was gaining 2.2 million viewers. And I think that John Stewart, even just with this episode alone, tied the second most popular talk show uh, of, of right now, or at least There's according so to December There's so many to choose from. Being, yeah, being uh, Jimmy Kimmel. I mean, I was offered a talk show like last week and I had to turn it down because I was yeah, like, no, I, not during I the doubt moment. it. Do you know who the top talk show is, though? The top one? Right now, I thought it was Colbert for a while. It is Colbert. It's still Colbert. Yeah. Um, it, it's What's crazy about this, though, besides just the, all the uh, stuff that had to happen in order for this specific thing to happen, is the amount of flukes of stuff that, like, don't ever make it to town. Like, back in the 2000s, right? Yes. George Lucas was working on a Star Wars pilot before it was even sold to Disney. They were in pre-production for it. You can go out and watch some of it. It was called Star Wars Underworld. 
Um, <laughs> and, and that just never got past the first few degrees. And you'd think that as a Star Wars uh, legacy, like it would have been easily. Especially with George Lucas, because George Lucas has made no secret that he has not liked uh, episode seven through nine. You had that Nicolas Cage thing back in the day with Superman. Superman, lives. yeah. And then there was a Halo movie in the works before the TV show came got around. Got con development hell. Yeah. It, it, yeah, this development hell, it feels like this, the whole situation with John Stewart is just so crazy to think about. I mean, we it's a year of quitters after all. Like you've looked at uh, Tom Scott, he quit YouTube. Uh, <laughs> Matthew Patrick, YouTube. <laughs> I mean, me Canyon, yeah. So those are the YouTube ones. Then you have Pat Sajak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, he's so. What if Pat Sajak retires and then he comes back in like two years and he's like, I'm going to save Wheel of Fortune. <laughs> Yeah, but anyways, Tom Brady has come back before Michael Jordan did it. Michael Phelps even did it, and now you I can remember add that. John yeah. Stewart. But really, he had already done it back in like 2015 when he first came back after filming Rosewater, I think, because he directed that. And movie. that's of course what gave John Oliver his job. Who do you think is actually like legitimately might come back next? I think Elton John. I think Elton John might come out of retirement at some point. Oh, and, oh, you mean just like in the world? Yeah, I, like huge figures who. who I don't. I don't even impact. want to touch that because I have no idea. All right. Well, I also wanted to say, like, as far as odd coincidences coincidences are concerned, because we're going to do Tracker next as our TV show. Mm-hmm. Um, the the main star in that, you know who that is? Justin Hartley, right? He's yes. from This Is Us. Uh, when I ask you who you think of when you th- if, picture Aquaman in your head, who do you think of? Okay, first one thing that came to mind was Alan Richardson because I know that he was yeah, Aquaman. He was, but Alan Richardson from um, uh, BMS, but also from Reacher, yes. which is Justin Hartley's new show, Tracker, is literally his character is compared to the Reacher character all the time. But huh. the point I wanted to make is I thought you were going to say Jason Momoa. But uh, in Smallville, that is where uh, Thad, um, or, or uh, we just said Alan Richardson, played uh, the Aquaman character. Right. But in 2006... The Smallville creators were actually working on a pilot with Justin Hartley where he was going to be Aquaman. But because of the switchover from the WB to the CW, that project got canned and he ended up playing Green Arrow on Smallville. And then Alan (laughs) Richens started playing. So they're almost competitors back then in, in in the old Smallville show. But now they're competing in a completely different one. And it's just weird how things happen like that, right? Mm-hmm. I know that's a weird trail-off story. But, Actually, but I'm glad plays. you say that. You say, who do I think will come back? I think they would have to be the right conditions. But Christian Bale might come back as Batman if they're really trying to do the DCEU. Right? They already back, brought back Clooney, right? In the yes. Flash? So, yeah, uh, that would make sense. And, and since all those superheroes. But this is the first time, I think, a late night. It's like if Carson had decided to unretire or if David Letterman came back. But it would have to be the perfect condition where your replacement just... No, you know it's like Jay Leno, but, like, not yeah. as bad. Yeah. yeah. It, does, it doesn't hurt Conan. <laughs> I, think, I think one of my favorite parts about it, though, was, like I said, he's back in his element. And after the problem with Jon Stewart, where he did try to kind of do those segments at the very beginning... Because my favorite parts of the problem with Jon Stewart was, was when he had the taped interviews because it seemed like he was right? really serious it's almost like it slipped on its head right so here i when i saw that he was still able to keep kind of that same type of enthusiasm and momentum and of course the nostalgia when they have the daily show song in the background which i don't think they ever changed
changed. I really enjoyed it. I like how they brought out the camera to start the show where it was from behind the desk so you could see his head and then you could see the audience and it felt like some Walter Cronkite, <laughs> Cronkite uh, Edward R. Murrow like backstory like where they were trying to do some sort of um, uh, prestigious uh, biopic or something and like that. And it's crazy how something as small as him just scribbling notes on his paper can be yeah, as nostalgic as it was. That's trademark yes. for him. Um, it, the one con I would also agree with you with the Apple series is that like you had these amazing interviews that he would get because of Apple's right. influence on the world. Mark Cuban would be on his podcast for like a 40 minute interview. Then you'd have the CEO of JP Morgan, the, the Shell company guy, Bob Iger. Like you're still getting important people to come interview with you like on the daily show he interviewed obama he interviewed um uh, the money guy during the, uh, the famously what's his name oh you're talking about uh mad money guy jim kramer jim kramer exactly he he had good interviews it's just that i don't think they're going to meet the same standard that they did there because he wouldn't interview them on set he would go and have them taped right and he would be able to go into the fic and talk to the person who's in charge and it'd be really really neat we're not going to get that anymore. I also don't think we're going to get the cool podcast that he did. Like, they still have a podcast that they released for The Daily Show, which I'm sure a lot of people who are tuning in on this <laughs> probably confuse the two. Yeah, we're not The Daily Show podcast, but, like, yeah, um, we have a similar name. Today's episode, The Daily Show, I realized that. And, um, yeah, that, that might not make things equal. But, um, yeah, I, I don't understand why Apple would have let something like him wanting to talk about China and AI, two very relevant issues, it caused them such an issue where they would break up their contract and make him leave. Yeah, it was crazy because I remember when I was doing research for it, it was a multi-year contract. Yeah. And then only two seasons later, I was very disappointed when I heard that it got canceled. But for the pros of the show, I also think that there's uh, an, uh, uh, an amazing amount of credit that's due to the production and writing team. And I'm not just saying that to be nice. Seriously, to adapt, to bring back your old boss after nine <laughs> years and then make it feel like it was exactly the same. Like, just as everybody was talking about, it didn't feel like he missed a step. With the Apple show, when you watched him do his interviews, or not his interviews, but his regular monologue, he seemed stiff. He seemed angry. Yeah. He seemed more invested in the issue, almost, and that was the thing. But, like, with this, it felt funny again. And yes, he said he wanted to find a place to unload his thoughts. That was a big reason why he came back. But, like, the news correspondence, there weren't a lot of them that were still around from where he was nine right. years ago. You had Klepper, but besides that, it's a whole new group, but he, I think, f fell in seamlessly with it. In fact, that Ronnie Chang thing, it's crazy that they weren't on the show together. I think You Chang, would think so, because, yeah, Chang's been there forever. He's been there since 2015. He's also had quite a career since with Barbie and what was Megan. the other movie? Megan. Yeah, and uh, it, it just feels like his character, when he jumped on screen and he broke everybody, Jon Stewart, <laughs> um, Desi, uh, I think Dulce also broke, but, but it just it was really, really funny. I think that uh, overall, I see this as being um, one of the best episodes of the year, even if it's not one of the best episodes of the show for the year because of what it stands for. I am hoping that it's able to keep kind of not only the acclaim that I got, but also just be as good because I don't want this to be a fluke. And I think that there is a possibility that might be or might start to become overhyped. And I just hope that that's not going to happen. As, I don't see it. I think it's gotten all the hype that it could get. It literally happened right before the Super Bowl. And so everybody was talking 
talking about it. I think in 20 years, people will look back at me like, remember that time that Jon Stewart came back to The Daily Show right before uh, Trump and Biden went at it for another election? Like there wasn't a lot to be excited for as he kind of laid out over the next nine months. But this at least adds to that and it makes you feel like, yes, I'll be happy to tune in. So the beginning episode, I think, is so important for that reason because it lays the groundwork and it says obviously there is no learning curve here. We're right back on the racetrack, you know? Mm -hmm. And Jordan Klepper, who I feel like we need to talk about the episodes afterwards for the the last couple ones this week because we are a show that uh, discusses more than the the most recent installments. He's done a great job as well, I think. And when they have the rest of the hosts be the other correspondents, I think they will remain like perfectly acceptable. It's actually shown ever since they started getting guest hosts at The Daily Show. Obviously, this was the biggest jump, but it did have a rise in viewership. Oh, I thought it slowly trailed off. I didn't realize it. What if at the end of this, they bring back Trevor Noah for like 40 episodes? You think that's that'd be That'd be weird. Yeah, I know. He's not going to do that. (laughs) Also, um, John Stewart is executive producer for the series until he leaves again in November. Goes without saying, but more importantly, are they going to bring back weekend update for the Thursday things that they do before every election? Yeah, I <laughs> Start did, in they, they didn't do it. They didn't do it in 2020. I know, but they did in 2008. Then they brought it back in 2009, and then they jumped like the 2012, brought it back for 20, 2016. You say they skipped in 2020, maybe too much, too busy of a field. But it's funny how Michael Che started on the Daily Show, and then he might be competing. They with talked Stewart. about that in the podcast where yeah, he they came did. on for three weeks, and then they wanted him for longer. It just surprises me how much of the SNL crossover there is between the two uh, things. But it makes a lot of sense. It's just that everybody in that career um, it usually goes towards news afterwards. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. But I guess if you look at the Weekend Update people in SNL, they also track towards news. But there is that like kind of division, uh, that college type thing where you choose your major. Do you want to go towards the Daily Show type of political commentary or do you want to go SNL pure comedy route? Well, especially after 2016, right when Trump got elected, that is when the, uh, the late night with Stephen Colbert and Seth Meyers, yeah. they really decided to go political. So there is something about seeing Jon Stewart come back and be kind of the original person that gives him even more of a status, even though he doesn't really need it. Do, I felt like we should talk about at least his the three political points. Um, for many, even the huge Biden fans, uh, you can't ignore his age. Yeah. At this point, um, Trump, I feel like it's more a question of optics, because how much of this election is people that are actually tuned into news and realize that Biden's presidency, if you're just doing metrics and st- statistics, has been very uh, like um, unemployment is down. The economy is doing better. Uh, gas prices have been down. Uh, it, it, there are very few issues to go at him for, and the Republicans keep on trying to find one to really hone in on, and they're, so they're focusing right now on immigration, right, mm-hmm. and holding stuff up with that, but it versus someone who may be in jail by the time that the actual election rolls around. So you can't ignore his age, but it feels like media is also ignoring the fact that Trump is also that old. The thing about the TikTok, it was kind of upsetting to me because I remember it was like 2022 when Biden banned TikTok for government employees and now he's joining it and then I heard some pundits talking about how it's how it's a really good thing how he's going to connect with the youth that way that's not a way to connect with the youth I mean that's arguable but but the question of whether or not he should do something that's completely contrary to what his own agenda was two years ago that kind of makes me cringe a bit not yes, not well, the cookies thing, but definitely the fact that you're going back on exactly what you said and that TikTok 
is sort of a danger as far as how much information yeah. that's able to get for it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so, so that was where I agreed with him the most, I think. When it comes to how I felt about it, no one can host a show like Jon Stewart. I know I said that already, but that's why I would give it a 9 out of 10. But you said it might be one of the best episodes of the year for you. Did I'm you saying 9 out of 10 as well. Yeah. 9 out of 10? Okay. Yeah, we both 9 out of 10s. I, I do highly suspect it will be on my list of best episodes. My ultimate take here is enjoy it while it lasts because this is a very rare situation. I do remember when we did the Masters of the Air podcast, I tried to downplay that nothing can ever recreate the original suspense of like the Band of Brothers right. uh, show because of the elements that they had, because of the original people that they had. But this is this is different. The Daily Show can be exactly what it was nine years ago, 15 years ago. And that's crazy. Aside from For, John Stewart's look. You never see that happen where a show comes back and it is exactly what people want to yes. remember. That's it's nuts. I, I still can't wrap my mouth. That was the dread that I saw in Oliver because he was like, yep, there, go my, <laughs> there goes my Emmys. But yeah, that's so nine out of 10 for me, nine out of 10 for you. What else do you want to say? I think that's about it. Just yeah. kind of going with your point. If, if he wasn't as old, you could put this in the stack of, uh, of the old Daily Show episodes and not tell that it was a difference. Yeah. People like to make a point about how he is. Uh, it's so the show is centered around his style that he always created. Right. But if you go and you watch the other episodes where Klepper has been hosting, and I assume when his other host hosts, um, his other correspondents host, that they will also use the same type of humor. They've been around it so long. Yeah. It's not like bringing in someone from off the street or a different comedian, you know, to come in and host. They kind of already inherent, inherit, inherited that like uh, belief system or the, the way that they um, are able to pose those jokes. So I see this as even with Stuart not being there as very like this Daily Show will never not be the Daily Show. It just feels so much more at home when he is behind the camera and more or in front of the camera. Well, what is happening with the Daily Show with the host? Because if he's staying till November, that means they're still not going to be able to find a replacement well, that's, up until that, that was time. What Oliver was saying in his short clip was like, OK, Roy Wood Jr. would have been a great host. He left because his homage had been uh, sort of like quit or right. fired um and then now we don't get a host until 2025 going forward right right but who like i don't think that's going to hurt it by the time that next year there's already going to be a drop because it's not going to be a, an election cycle yeah. and so that would be the best time to get a new person in there to kind of find their footing and hopefully john stewart will have raised an audience enough where they will give them the same type of thing that Trevor Noah got, which is those few years of, of stability um, for them to actually find their footing. All right. So, yeah, I think that's everything that we need to say. Thanks for listening. We'll see you in the next episode. Hope you enjoyed this one. Bye. Bye.